Hola, hola. Welcome, everybody, to season three of the Chicago Techies podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago Techies and their experiences. This season, we will be hearing from seasoned entrepreneurs to rising stars making their mark. We'll dive into their triumphs, their challenges, and all the unique experiences that have shaped their journeys. I'm your host, Ceci Fisher Benitez. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Angie. Thanks for coming today to the Chicago Techies podcast. Thank you for joining me. I don't know why I said coming because it's like not like you can go to a place, but thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? Ceci, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing pretty, pretty good. Busy day. Busy yeah, day. I bet. It's almost like the end of the year, too. So it, right now we're like oh, everybody's rushing to finish goals and wrap up, you know, the year. But um, so I want to start with how I start with every guest. Can you please state your name, your full name to the audience, your pronouns, where you're from and your current role? Okay. My name is Angie Adamayo. I use she, her pronouns. I am currently living in Chicago and Illinois, and my current role is a technical product manager for an AI and automation product. That's really exciting. I, I love AI. I, I mean, I want to learn more about it, so we'll dive in. <laughs> um, let's start from the beginning. So can you tell me about your childhood? Like, where were you born or were you born in the U.S.? Or how did your bringing, upbringing come about? Absolutely. So I was born in Lima, Peru, and my family decided to immigrate to Sarasota, Florida when I was nine. And I grew up from nine to 18 in Sarasota. It was a very um, happy childhood because, you know, I had to learn different languages, right? Um, You had the sun, the beach there. Um, But also because my family was really close, we got to really spend a lot of quality time amongst each other. So we're really tight. Um, so that's a little bit about my upbringing. Yes. So what was growing up in Lima, in Peru, right? From like, what was that like before you moved to the U S it was very, very different. Um, when I was in Lima, I was basically a military child. Mm -hmm. My dad was in the Marines and he had served at that point 25 years and I was nine. And so I just remember traveling and moving from port to port um, and having a lot of friends who whose parents were also part of the Marines. And so that was essentially my reality. You know, mm. I had my mom, I had my dad, you know, I would go to like this private school um, and then everything changed when I came to the U.S. Yeah, I imagine it was a little bit of a... Uh, disruption, right? Because you're used to this this whole thing, but also not really because you're moving again. Um, so I'm curious what that was like when you first came to the U.S. Oh my goodness, it was. So <laughs> oh, so we came to the U.S. Um, and when we arrived, the whole idea was that we're gonna go to Disneyland or Disney World, <laughs> right in Orlando. And my mom was telling me, you know, we're moving here, but we're also going to go to Disney World. So make sure you, you're convincing your brother. And so we get to the immigration and I'm like telling my brother, I'm a nine-year-old knowing very well that 
this could potentially, you know, be a lie. <laughs> but enough to convince my brother that we're going to go to Disney World. We get asked, you know, what we're doing here in the U.S. And my brother's like, Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. And that I think that was like the beginning of essentially my whole personality of being like the older sibling, like the, first, mm-hmm. the immigrant who had to learn English first. Like, I think that was kind of the pivoting point for me. It was like a memorable moment that made you realize that, oh, now I have this responsibility of like being the older sister and making it okay for my brother. Yeah, absolutely. And like balancing like the reality that my parents, you know, had to live and then also balancing like being a child. So after that, how was high school? How was college? Like, did you have the resources that you needed? Um, Because, you know, when when we're immigrants, and I mean, I came to the US when I was 11 as well, not really knowing much about what was next. So um, there's a couple of good things about that. It's you're young enough to be quick at learning things um, and adapting to the language, to the culture, you know, um, but it can be still challenging and I and daunting, you know, when, when you're not fitting in and you're a kid. And I'm curious if you felt supported in high school, in, in college, and what was that experience, that journey to kind of like young adulthood? I think that mine was very much categorized around um, self-determination and survival part of it too. Um, I went to a gifted school that you had to take a test to -hmm. get in. And what I found was this school, although it exposed me to a lot of great teachers and, you know, a lot of great students who had a lot of privileges and, you know, experiences, I was very much an outlier compared to a lot of them. Um, I had to work extra hard to get the grades that I had. Um, I definitely experienced a lot of discrimination by teachers. Uh, so did my brother too. And even comments from my, my own peers saying, um, just like, how did you end up getting into that university, you know, mm. in the first place? And so I think overall, I felt like I was supported when I started to reach out to other organizations and then when I started to find allies within my own peers. Um, And I think ultimately survival came when I had to adapt and Americanize myself as much as I could. So my accent was something that I was trying to work on really hard when I was younger. Um, And, you know, understanding like American concepts that I definitely missed you know, the, the nine years that I was in Peru. Um, and then also making sure that I had my my life projected correctly in my mind, at least, right, at the time. What college, you know, it has to be a good college, mm-hmm. um, a good career so that I'm set up, and et cetera. So it sounds like you were an intense kid. <laughs> I think I was pretty intense because... And I honestly have been told that, like, I was impatient, too. Even mom mm. mentioned that. I think a lot of it was because I felt like I carried this big weight um, mm. of my parents leaving mm-hmm. everything behind just to give me and my brother a better future. And constantly being reminded of that, right? And seeing your parents, yeah. like, my dad, he moved, when he immigrated to the U.S., the first 
he had several jobs, but the one that he had the longest was delivering newspaper at night. And so it was a tradition, not, I don't know if a tradition, but it was like there, it happened every Sunday where my brother and I, my mom would wake up at 1am to help distribute newspapers to my dad, because that's when the biggest amount of newspapers that needed to be delivered was, it was on that Sunday or like, um, like madrugada the Sunday, right? Like that everyone purchased the Sunday newspaper. And so I think even myself, you know, I was, you know, seeing like there's a lot of responsibilities my parents had to do. There's a lot of expectations on me. Um, I really need to step up so I can support my family. Yeah, that hits. Um, I feel like we, uh, you know, as children, as young kids, as young adults, like I think we all carry that um, that weight, that heavy weight of like not failing your parents because they're sacrificing everything for you. And they're like working, you know, sometimes minimal wage jobs. And and yeah, we have to be a little bit intense. I mean, I feel like I wasn't as intense as you were probably, but I was definitely like always with that in my in the back of my mind. So so take me to your college experience. So I, I saw on your LinkedIn that you uh, you were pursued, uh, you, you got a BA in economics from the University of Virginia. Um, I guess like to, to quote your own peers, how did you get into this school? <laughs> oh my goodness. I definitely got questioned that. Um, <laughs> I apply through QuestBridge. And QuestBridge is a organization that allows for low-income students to get full rides to universities like University of Virginia oh. and, and just all of their partner schools. It's expanding every year. And I always, you know, shout out QuestBridge because it's because mm-hmm. of them that I have, you know, they've changed the generational wealth of my family mm-hmm. by letting me go to UVA. So I'll start with that. and. I think it was so funny because obviously I got in and I accepted immediately because my reality was that my mom told me this too. Um, I either have my tuition paid for completely or I went to community college because there's just no funds to pay mm-hmm. for higher education. Yeah. And so for me that like, I was super determined. I applied to multiple scholarships and I actually started off wanting to be an architect I wanted to be an oh, architect wow. since I was like seven, I think, because I had two cousins that were pursuing architecture at, back in Peru and Lima. Mm-hmm. And I was very inspired by their creativity. I liked that it involved like being creative, but also being like very analytical and, um, and realistic. And I think that kind of called me a lot. And so I pursued architecture my first semester and once I realized how long it would take for me to be an architect from the number of hours I needed to free labor of hours I needed to um, get signed up and certified to then having a whole master's afterwards I realized that I have one goal and and my goal at the time was to support my family and this you know was not the was not going to get me there anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> so I pivoted and that's why I majored in econ. Were you good at math? Yes. Yeah. I like math. I like how. 
That's what I hated all growing up. Oh my god, I could not. I I have a love hate relationship with math, and I I was never a, a math kid. So every time I hear someone like, "Oh, I studied math, math or mathematics, or I studied like you know stats or econ- like economics," and I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> I know. I mean, for me, it's like I like the black the like. There's always a the right answer and yeah. type of feeling. I'm like. It's like it's like that answer from Mean Girls that like because it's the same in every country and they're like oh my god that's beautiful. Period. <laughs> Period. So tell me about your college experience. Um, you were did you get really involved? Um, how was that? Um, how did did all the experiences that you were involved in kind of shaped like the trajectory that you were that was going to propel you to you know where you were going. Yeah, absolutely. So I came to UVA as a very, you know, whitewashed Latina, right? I felt like that was what I needed to do and I needed to get involved in these very um, white presenting organizations as well. And so I got myself into an organization called Honor. Um, I became a resident advisor. Um, I became an orientation leader. And these all basically require you to be um, outspoken, um, be willing to, you know, ask questions. I think I, I resonated that obviously because I, mm-hmm. I grew up needing to be that. Right. And so I felt like I, I could try to convey that in these organizations. And then I met some women who were Latinas and had similar backgrounds to me, um, but were also very determined they were high achieving. They were deemed very highly within the university um, as well. And I kind of started to look up to them. I've never met women like that before Mm -hmm. up until my freshman year. And I realized that they were all part of this Latina organization, uh, sorority. Mm -hmm. And so my spring semester, my first year, I joined it. Sigma Lambda Upsilon Señoritas Latinas Unidas Sorority Incorporated. And my career really, my college career pivoted at that point. Um, I was surrounded by different Latinos, Latinas, not just from my university, but also from the universities around Virginia, mm-hmm. also from universities in, in Georgia. My connections just expanded. Um, I started to get more involved in the Latino community. By my fourth year, we had a a little friend group of different Latinos, Latinas who were in these high positions at UVA. And we wrote essentially um, like a letter to administration saying, we require you to give us X, Y, and C, like a list. And one of them being like a Latino student center for our community. Oh, wow. It was a huge pushback. It was a lot of back and forth, a lot of efforts from different individuals in the Latino community. And then finally, by the time that I graduated, we got it. And so today, when I speak back to a couple of my friends who are still undergrads, um, they their life, their college career is so different than how mine was because they have so much of their time in the Latinx student um center that's what it's called now that's awesome and i mean that kind of reflects on the spirit on how you describe everybody as determined and you know high achieving and that kind of speaks to their resiliency and and that um 
the persistence, right, of getting what what you deserve and what you're asking for. So that's awesome. I did not know that about you. That's great. Uh, I I also didn't know you were a resident advisor. Uh, I was also a resident advisor. Um, I did it to pay off for my to pay my junior and senior year. Um, But it was but I, but you're right. It does require a certain kind of person, someone that is outspoken, someone that ha- that that ha- when they have questions, they're not afraid to a- ask them, uh, or try to find an answer to someone else's question. So um, that's awesome. Now, as an after after school and even during school, like, did you always knew you kind of wanted to go into tech or not yet? Like, how did you come across this this trajectory to tech? My undergrad career was not tech focused at all like both tech wasn't even in my purview even when I applied to IBM like when I applied to IBM I was thinking that I was just going to be a seller and I didn't really understand what that would mean Mm. but for me I remember thinking I can speak to folks you know I can be convincing I can try to present I can prep for that um but I guess, you know, there was also this huge other side that you have to learn tech and mm-hmm. and all aspects to it, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you uh, like what was your introduction to IBM or at least the tech community in general? Like how did you apply to the role? Like was it right out of undergrad? I'm also curious about how come you didn't go back to Florida? Like, you know, why why Chicago? So let's, you know, tell me the story in that order if you can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, and my personality also kind of conveys in all of this. So I, as an immigrant or someone who moved to a whole different state for undergrad, I also am huge on like getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. So picking up, going somewhere else. So at first I had a friend who told me that she interned for IBM as a seller. She mm. told me it's a great opportunity. And I think at the time I was just looking for internships. So I went ahead and applied. She gave me a lot of guidance and I essentially got the internship. They told me that's going to be in Atlanta or I think maybe I chose. And then I was like, bet Atlanta sounds like a great <laughs> fun place. Um, and did my internship in Atlanta. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. That was the first time I ever lived on my own in a city yeah. like that. Um, learned a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, I was learning about security technology products. And I think it hadn't, like, you know, ignited in me that wow, this is like super exciting. This is super Mm -hmm. cool and different. Like, I think I was just thinking like, oh, we just sell this product, you know, sell this, sell that. Um, And then when I accepted my full time, I chose Chicago because I had Atlanta, Chicago, Boston, and you know, we're not going to go to Boston. (laughs) And, And I already been to Atlanta. And so that's why I was like, Chicago it is. Is that when you started to fall in love with like the tech, like the tech component of things? Because now you're all immersed. But um, yeah. so walk me through that, like arriving to Chicago and starting this full time job. So I arrived to Chicago and after a 12 hour drive, I moved to Uptown and it was really like 
city girl yeah. life, like, wow, like walking down, seeing all these like golden, um, what are they called? The golden doodles, right? Like there's so many of them in Chicago. Um, and the first couple months I was just doing sales preparation. So at IBM, there used to be a long-term global sales school. So within your cohort, you would travel throughout the U.S. and do like mock presentations to clients. And the people that would evaluate you were these older IBMers who were sellers back in the 70s, in the 80s. And so they would come with stories about like, this is the pen that I signed at Y&C contract. And it was really like inspiring, really cool. Um, but at the same time, I think at that point I had realized that ugh, I wish I could be, um, more utilized. I think like within those six months, I was just like learning and prepping. Um, so I was super eager to close a deal ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I really would have loved, wanted to do was leverage the fact that I speak Spanish. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think by the end of my sales training of those six months, someone within the Chicago office asked, does anyone speak Spanish? And everyone pointed to me. And so I immediately came in and it was a Puerto Rican deal. Um, And I, I spoke Spanish to the, to the person. I think at the time when I was on the phone, I didn't understand anything about like um, how software is sold, like how that's like, licenses how it means subscriptions mm-hmm. um how you have to bundle in services like i was just speaking spanish hola como estas puedo ayudar so i think at that point like i i started to it opened my eyes to like welcome to software for enterprise mm-hmm. like you have so much to learn yeah Wow, that's awesome. What what was the transition like from a sales role to a technical product? At first, I started to realize that within sales, I it was really exciting, but I wanted to find different opportunities. And so I leveraged someone who um, I contacted to help me with like my sales uh, pitch and pitch. et cetera. And he essentially moved me over to his team. And that's when I moved out of the sales organization. I was in ecosystems, meaning Mm -hmm. that this is the organization that focuses on helping our partner uh, products. So at IBM, we can sell, for example, um, Hazelcast products, which is another tech company. And then our sellers get like a percentage of revenue from when that gets sold. Right. And so I came in helping, making sure that those products that were that our seller sold were successful and they had all the assets. And so I started to learn about automation products outside of IBMs. And then they there came a product named Watson, uh, Watson Orchestrate. And it was very partner focused. So they said, okay, you know, this team go ahead and help um, orchestrate the product, thrive and do successful um, partnerships. And so that's essentially how I slowly merged into the product side. And then there was like a reorganization that essentially moved me 
straight to being a technical product manager today. Wow, that's quite a journey. I mean, it's like you unintentionally, but intentionally were looking at these like opportunities and like welcoming, welcoming them just to learn, continue to learn. Yeah, so there was definitely moments where I felt like the decisions were made for me rather than I'm, ma- I'm making those decisions. Mm. And I think that's why sometimes when people ask me, how did you get in this position? I say like serendipity. Yeah. <laughs> like, thankfully, it turned out okay. Um, but I definitely felt like it was painful at first because I was like the ambiguity, like what's going to happen to me? Like, yeah. What are some of the most exciting projects that you worked on at IBM so far? I would say creating a whole new use case where the product hasn't existed before. And that is within like the procurement world. Mm-hmm. So in procurement, you need to find, you know, resources like pencils for your office or also you need to do a contractor to mm-hmm. hire them for a certain period of time to do a quick job for you. Mm-hmm. And so essentially I was able to lead the development of using our tool and helping people that need uh, a contractor do that faster in a very um, automated le- way and also leveraging AI. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I like... Um, I like how wholesome this journey is for you. Uh, and, and this is like the first company you've worked with, you've worked at, but now you've done a series of growth. So I love that it's it's super wholesome and like the opportunities coming in, some serendipitous, some like, you know, you're 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 doing yourself. But um, I want to pivot really quickly a little bit because I know you're a chapter leader for the Latinas Tech Chapter of Chicago. Um, so I... I want to know how you came across the organization and uh, what prompted you to, you know, uh, raise your hand and volunteer to be a chapter leader. Yes, I think that I started to realize that I needed to build a personal brand, essentially. Mm -hmm. I found that being part of IBM was helpful and I was getting a lot of great projects under my belt, but I ultimately wanted to also leverage a network within Chicago that could help me become a tech leader in the industry overall. Um, And I also found that I'm really passionate about helping others, empowering others. I was involved in our Hispanic um, business resource group, BRG. I'm also involved in our LGBT plus BRG. I became involved in the women in product management, um, BRG. And I felt like I needed that intersection, essentially, of being a Latina in tech, being a woman, you know, being an immigrant, having that like Latino background. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to look into probably like different organizations that are in Chicago. And I found Latinas in tech sounding super exciting. Obviously, I joined uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, and I reached out to all these women immediately via LinkedIn. <laughs> I was like, hi, I'm interested. I remember, Ceci, I reached yeah, out to you. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how can I help? Like, I have always, like, like I mentioned, right? Like, I was super involved in undergrad. I have so much potential in wanting to help. And, you know, I'm eager, I'm very action oriented, like, you know, use me to help you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think at first it was like very slow. Okay, look at our LinkedIn or just look at our Facebook. Um, and then I started to realize that there weren't a lot of events going on in Chicago at first, like when COVID started yeah, to yeah. close down. Um, and I met another friend of mine through LinkedIn who now she's like one of my best friends and her and I kept talking, saying like, oh, we just, we wish there's like more gatherings so that we can meet. And at the women impact conference back in 2022, um, like this in tech in the Facebook group had a promo code. And so a couple of us mm-hmm. used it. And then a couple of us met afterwards, like, and we just were chit-chatting and it became such an emotional conversation. So empowering. Someone was saying like, I've been trying to break in. And I think that was a realization for me that made it seem like, wow, I should be doing a lot more outside of IPM and in this community in Chicago, because And like I said, like serendipity, right? And the way that I got here, like I am lucky, I'm privileged, right? Like, and I need to make sure that I'm using the resources that I have to empower and help others. I love that. I mean, there's a couple of of things to unpack here, but I mean, one, personal branding. Like, I mean, personal branding sets you apart from anyone, you know, like you're, you know, you're using your own skills to really highlight how unique you are. And, and I I don't think a lot of people, no, maybe they do, but I think people should be paying attention more to that, like, and, and should be, you know, working on their personal brand as well, because like our unique experiences and perspectives are what really helps us get get access to opportunities and, and growth. So I, I love that you immediately recognize that and how, how needed is that to advance your career. And obviously I, I empathize with the whole wanting to do more. Um, I think when I was uh, working in like in opening the chapter with my, my colleague, Yvonne, my friend Yvonne, like there wasn't anything like that in tech before. Mm-hmm. There was no like Latina specific meetups. There was, there, you know, like it was something that, that we've seen other organizations do like Alpha and like ASE, but they but none had like this like tech factor of tech support that can that can get people like together and empower each other to you know break into tech and in the industry. So um, bringing that chapter to Chicago was like a, definitely an emotional experience, and I still like sometimes I'm in awe when I go to one of the events and like I'm in the back just kind of watching this like this whole movement that took place of like me and Yvonne, and then like three people signing up to an event, and then the, the first day like the first event a hundred people coming and like you know, and then now it's like over a thousand Latinas in in the program. So if it's definitely like I feel like I. I'm just like in awe every time I go to an event and I'm like, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe we did this. You know, I can't believe Chicago has this now. Like, this is awesome. So it's always a a really good experience for me to be around you all and like the whole, all the women that are part of the group, because it's really all, it's everybody. Like you all made this happen. All of us made this happen. And, and, and it continues to run because of everybody's like willingness to help each other. So that's, I'm really proud of that. Oh, Sassy, we're so thankful and grateful for you for being the trailblazer <laughs> that you are for starting the chapter. We're always saying like, oh, we don't know this, but we'll, we'll ask Sassy. 
<laughs> uh, let's ask Manuel first. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, for sure. I'm always happy to help. I mean, I told I told the team from the beginning, even the previous team before you all, because now there's like none none of the originals are are around. But um, I always tell them like I'm always gonna be here as an advisor. Like you know, don't don't think that you can't have access to me because I'm no longer in the team. Like yeah, I might be working for the actual org now, but I'm always still gonna be Team Chicago forever. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, your advice, you know, for for tech professionals or the people that you're meeting every day, kind of talking about how they want to uh, break into tech. Like, what advice do you have for those folks that are usually from underrepresented backgrounds um, that are, you know, aspiring to pursue a career in tech or to break into tech? My advice would be to do three things. So first, I advise to get involved in different tech organizations, right? Like even being part of our private group within Facebook of Latinas in Tech. Mm -hmm. We share a lot of information, um, free promo codes for tech-specific events, conferences. Um, I've even posted and said, hey, everyone comment in this thread in this post of who's willing to share like referral links to each mm -hmm. other. Um, that's the first one, you know, get involved. There's like idea. There's like Latinos in tech, I think mm -hmm. one as well. Um, then I would be very intentional where you want to apply mm -hmm. within tech. So obviously you don't have to be technical. There is, sales, right? Like how I came in, there's customer success managers, um, there's consulting, it varies, but being very intentional where, how you want to tap in and the skill sets that you have would make it so much easier for anyone. Even me, if I'm trying to refer you mm -hmm. to join as well. And then the last item is once you've identified your skill sets, and you've identified my skill sets fit these different roles, then at that point, identify the technology sector that you're trying to tap into. So whether that is, do you want to focus on automation? Do you want to focus on uh, e-commerce? Mm -hmm. Do you want to focus on AI? That's pretty exciting right now. Um, that would make it so that once you've identified that type of sector, go ahead and do a deep dive in learning about, about that. So whether that is going on LinkedIn and following all these LinkedIn influencers or just on YouTube and understanding like what are APIs mm -hmm. um, or how does e-commerce work? Who are the top competitors within this market? Once you have that type of insight, then you're really ready to do a whole interview like right on the spot, honestly. Yeah, no, I love that advice. And I always, you know, when I when I do talk to folks that, that want to talk about breaking into tech and, and saying like, and they're usually saying, I'm applying to everything. I'm applying to all these things. And I'm like, I've been there and it was wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, here's why. Like, you need to be intentional about what path you want to take. You have to try to be a little bit more intentional about your goals and where you're headed. Like you said, if you want to go into sales, if you want to go into customer service. so. 
I think I always try to tell people to narrow it down. And that's the first thing they have to do, narrow it down to what they want to explore first. And if that fails and it's not taking you anywhere, then try the other thing. But take it one thing at a time, because I was doing that at the beginning, back in, you know, back when I did my transition, I started through customer service. I worked in customer service for nine months before transitioning to like a project management coordination role. It's super helpful because then once you've identified kind of those three items, then you can look back and say, okay, now let me go back to my network and Mm -hmm. tap into someone who has these skill sets or is in this specific sector. And then maybe they can tap you into someone who's actually in that role or is looking for someone. Yeah, or someone that is in the that role that you already identify that you want. And and cold emails are not that terrible. Like some people do respond to them. I mean, I respond to all the cold emails that I get. Like if if somebody wants to learn a little bit more about my journey or here or there or they're curious about this, like I will take that 30 minute call. And like and and I think a lot of us are willing to do that for each other, especially where those where those people that are kind of putting together events, you know, for for uh, for others and whatnot. So, I always tell people like Look for people that are that you see in, in 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 LinkedIn, even if they're not your connection. Like, do a cold email. Ask them if you could like buy them a coffee or like take them out for you know like um, for a drink and and talk about their role. And people are more willing to help than they would that you would think. Um, so this question is the question that I ask everybody about their career goals and their where they're headed. Like, what's next? What are some of those career goals for you? I think the most immediate goal for me is to become even more technical. You know, I think that as a Latina or as an immigrant, we get challenged and then maybe we even put those challenges or obstacles in our heads for ourselves from impulsive syndrome Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe, you know, what's happened in the past that you feel like it's going to happen again. And so I think for me, my most immediate goal is getting past that. Being in tech, it makes it even more difficult because then you sometimes really need to know the technology to get credibility. And my goal would be to become more technical. You know, I've been able to learn so far. I can continue learning and I I can become an expert, right? Like we all can. This information is, is available for all of us. So my most immediate goal is to become more, even more technical and confidently technical. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I've even been sharing with, with my manager as well. And then slowly getting more experiences under my belt, um, implementing automation and AI with multiple customers, um, feeling confident that the product is adding a lot of value um, and being able to share that with, with my peers The other goal that I have is that as AI and automation and technology and and overall continues to evolve, like bringing everyone with me as I learn all of this new information. So Mm -hmm. teaching my parents what ChatGPT is or BARD, how it's being developed, helping other folks that are also in the same journey that are trying to learn, pushing the agenda for the initiatives that I'm involved in within IBM, that there needs to be someone who's Latina, there needs to be someone who's a woman presented in our use cases, presented in the demonstrations of the product that we provide Mm -hmm. so that when people see them, they can see themselves and not see that this product or this technology is not accessible for me and therefore maybe I shouldn't even learn it. Um, 
And then long term, I would love to be um, a well-established tech leader um, that prioritizes, obviously, inclusivity and empowering and teaching others of technology. So there's like more usage of our community um, and also kind of like making sure that we're making decisions at the end of the day. It's not just like a specific demographic that makes the decisions of the trajectory of technology for us. I love that. I love that. I love all of that. I'm, I'm sure that, that you'll achieve where you're headed. Uh, I'm sure you'll get there. And honestly, like the whole time that you were speaking about your your trajectory, you know, through sales, through product, through all the things that you're curious about, through the things that you're learning, like you also would be a great candidate for VC, for venture capital. You would you you would know like what the process, like the like the operator experience, product uh, background. Uh, you would know what it takes to to run a pretty decent product or a business, right? So you you big you bring you would bring this unique expertise to make to be able to make a decision if this is something that we should be invested in because this is going to revolutionize you know something like uh this this sector this is going to revolution because you have that you have those insights you have that experience that you're developing right now that like hunger for cur- curiosity so. Um, Thank you for sharing all those things, all your all those gems. Thank you. So, um, if anyone would wanted to just get in touch with you, maybe take you out for a coffee, <laughs> how can they uh, reach out? I'm really responsive via LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out. My name is Angie Aramayo, but on my URL it says Angie Aramayo del Castillo, <laughs> repping my second last name. Nice. So, I like that. Well, thank you for everything that you are doing for the Chicago community with Latinas in Tech. Thank you for being a leader and influencing others and, and, cre- and driving change really inside IBM to be more inclusive and, and because representation matters and, and you're taking it up on your hands and yourself to do that. Um, so I commend you. I love your story and thank you for sharing it with me uh, and thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a good rest of your week. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on social media. We are at Chicago Techies on all social media platforms. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.